Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Believe in Mind. He brought to you by the Believe Network. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Donardo. Fair warning. This video is going to be all over the place, this video slash podcast. So I do have timestamps down below if you're on the YouTube side and you kind of want to see what we're talking about. But last video, I was talking about Nikola Jovic, how he dropped 25 points, perfect 9 for 9 shooting. And I'm glad I dropped that video when I did because literally the very next game, I think he had like 5 points on 1 for 6 shooting. So he was pretty terrible. But basically, the premise was, should Jovic be untouchable now? Uh, my answer has been no and remains no because I'm trying to win a championship now. And I believe you do that with the best of the best, which is Damian Lillard. Now, I referenced a tweet from Siobhan of Miami Heapy, and she's basically been on the anti-Dame to Miami bandwagon for a long time now. And a big reason that she feels that way is because she's saying the Heat doesn't need that. They just need marginal improvements, and they missed out uh, on a lot of free agents along the way, I suppose. I, I think that's what she's trying to say. Uh, truthfully, I get the logic. One, I really respect Siobhan. I, I think she has a ton of, ton of credibility as a basketball analyst. That's why I'm even taking the time to, to reference her opinion as opposed to just the trolls in the comments or, or people that are outrageous saying, I wouldn't trade I don't, uh, Hayward Highsmith for Damian Lillard because there's people who say that too. But regardless, I do think Siobhan has some credibility, right? And her logic is, hey, you made the NBA Finals in 2020. Obviously, 2021 was a weird year. They had the shortest offseason ever, so I don't count that. And then you go the next year, they go to Game 7 uh, versus the Celtics. They were one Max Strews out of bounds foot away from making the finals again. And then, of course, it got last year, and they make the NBA Finals once again. So you're sitting here. You're looking at a, a team that's essentially the same main components. You went to three out of four straight conference finals. You made two out of four NBA Finals. You don't need a big splash. You just need some, some of the, the outside pieces to kind of bring you up a little bit. The logic makes sense. I don't think this Heat team is as far away as everybody thinks. Even going into last season when they essentially ran it back, I was on record saying uh, I think the internal improvement is enough to maybe get you over the top. And sure enough, the regular season, I looked like I was completely wrong because the team looked like a shell of themselves. Of course, they were the seventh seed, lost the first playing game. They finished the eighth seed. But then by the playoffs, we saw what I thought they were going to be all year. And of course, they made the NBA Finals. And you talk about, and I, or I talk about the internal improvement. Two of your three best players, Bam and Tyler, are very young. I mean, Tyler's what, 23? And Bam is what, 25, 26? They're not, they haven't hit their primes yet. So if you're able to keep most of the other pieces the same, and your two or your three main guys get better, then in theory, you should be a better team. And when you get so close to winning a championship, which some people may say may say they were last year, others may say they weren't, you think maybe it could put you over the top. Now, do I think they were close to winning the championship last year? <laughs> I want to say no, right? And people may think of that as ridiculous because anytime you make the NBA Finals, you theoretically have a chance, which I, which I do agree with to some extent. Miami beat some good teams to get to the NBA Finals, right? And anytime you're there, you have a chance, yes. But they really weren't competitive with the Denver Nuggets in any of those games, I guess except for the one they won. I mean, even in the game five, that game wasn't all that close until Jimmy started shooting threes out of nowhere. And they, they made it a little close to have a chance, but ended up not having that much of a chance at all. 
And I just kind of feel like they got, they were completely outmatched in that series. I feel the same way about the, the the final series last year versus the Denver Nuggets as I do in 2014 when the Heat got spanked versus the Spurs. And the Heat won a game that series also. And they almost won game one if LeBron didn't get the cramps and y'all know that whole story. But overall, as a whole, I don't feel like they were competitive last year. I don't feel like they were in the same class as the Denver Nuggets. And I feel like if they run back the same roster, they're going to stay in the same exact spot. So that's kind of the argument for a lot of people on the whole running back thing. They're like, you didn't win. You run it back. You're not going to win again. That's not necessarily how it works. I mean, sometimes you can have a roster that's good enough to win. And whether it's because of injuries or just other extenuating factors, you don't win. Just because, just because you don't win the championship doesn't mean you're not good enough. That's kind of my point. When you have 30 teams that's vying to win a title, every team is not going to win. Maybe you have the, the, better, the better roster, but you guys just don't make shots, and that's the luck of the draw, and you lose the finals. However, that's not what I think happened last year. I just think the Heat weren't good enough to beat that Denver Nuggets team. Now, do I think they're good enough to, to beat them this year if they run it back? No, that's what I'm saying. Do I think they're good enough to get back to the finals? Potentially, yes. I still think they're better than the Boston Celtics. I think they're better than the Milwaukee Bucks. Because until I see different, that's what I'm going to believe. Even two years ago when they lost to the Boston Celtics, I felt like the Heat played terrible. They couldn't hit a shot. Tyler Hero was awful and hurt, just like he was last year. P.J. Tucker was terrible. I don't feel like anybody else really stepped up. Obviously, the shooting fell off a cliff in the playoffs. And they still went to Game 7 versus the Boston Celtics. And now you go into last season when the shooting is closer to what you expect. And that series versus Boston wasn't even close. Of course, they were up 3-0. And then it went to Game 7. But based off that Game 7, it was a blowout. And it didn't look like Boston belonged with us in that series. Now, the whole idea of running it back is an issue for me as well. Because when you get this long into a build, this year would be year five of this Jimmy and Bam type build. Uh, I guess Jimmy, Bam, Tyler type build. I think guys start to get tired of each other. This is something that I talked about for a long time as well. As far as uh, you need some new energy into the team to kind of rejuvenate everyone. The team has talked many times about adding, about how adding Kevin Love midseason really helped just lift the spirits of the whole locker room. Now, I know the Heat got some guys like Josh Richardson and Thomas Bryant. I don't know how important an impact they will make in the locker room. I certainly know Josh Richardson, I think, will. We know how close he is with Bam and Bob. We know how, how likable and funny a person he is. So you'd like to think that maybe he can lift the spirits of the locker room and, and bring some new life into them. But I don't think that's enough. I think the Miami Heat need a guy like Damian Lillard. I mean, just from the standpoint of if you want to win a championship, you do it with the best of the best. That's my opinion. That's why I don't necessarily agree with Siobhan and she's saying, hey, you need the, the marginal improvements on the end to kind of lift this roster up. Yeah, in my opinion, you have a superstar in Jimmy Butler. You have another tier superstar, you know, maybe one tier below superstar in Bam Adebayo, which I think he is because defensively he's the best in the game. So if, if you are the best in the game at 50% of the game, I think that alone makes you close enough to a superstar regardless of his offensive abilities, which are great. He's just a little soft and non-aggressive at times. But in this day and age, one superstar is not enough to win a championship. You need two, sometimes three superstars. And Damian Lillard is that second guy. That's why I would be willing to give up everything outside of Jimmy and outside of Bam 
uh, to get Damian Lillard. And not only to mention that this Heat is better than any other organization at filling out the rest of the roster around star guys. They find these undrafted guys out of nowhere. So if you were to lose Nikola Jovic, Hame Hawkins, and Caleb Martin, there's no reason to believe the Heat couldn't get other guys to replace them. Now, Siobhan's whole, whole thing was uh, you missed out on a lot of free agents sitting around waiting for Damian Lillard. Uh, I'm looking at this free agent tracker right here. Who did you miss out on? The best free agent to, to switch teams was Fred Van Fleet. Obviously, you weren't going to get him. Dylan Brooks was the next guy, the next highest paid guy to switch teams. Nobody wanted him. And then after that, it was Max Struess. I see Grant Williams, who there was talks of him joining the Heat, and I actually would have liked him here. But two of the other top guys to switch teams were Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. So someone may make the argument and say, hey, you got worse because you lost Gabe and Max, who were vital to your NBA Finals run. But those guys were, first off, inconsistent in the regular season. I'll say that. And then obviously come come uh, NBA Finals, Max Struess wasn't, wasn't that great either. But I think that if you would have paid those guys what they got paid, I truthfully believe it would have been looked at as an overpay. I don't want to say it's as easy as just finding guys off the street, plugging them in, and all of a sudden they're as good as Max Truce and Gabe Vincent. But I think they can find guys that do what they do, and I would not have wanted to overpay them. And then if you're talking about free agents that, that you can still add to this roster, one, you got Josh Richardson, who I think all Heat fans agree is a great player and can kind of fulfill that role that Gabe did. You got Thomas Bryant as a backup center, who I think all Heat fans also agree is a very, very solid backup center and helps fill the, you know, the issue of size we had last year with Orlando Robinson, who the Heat were able to, to get a standard deal also. But some of the other free agents that Heat fans wanted this offseason are Christian Wood and Kelly Oubre, two guys that are still available and have strong ties to the Miami Heat. So my question is, who did the Heat actually miss out on by sitting around and waiting for Damian Lillard? Is it Dennis Schroeder, who I saw earlier? Is it Dante DiVincenzo, who I do like a lot also? Uh, is it Bruce Brown, who's getting paid $20 million a year? I don't think they, they missed out on anybody. That, that's kind of my whole point. And I believe that waiting for a guy of Damian Lillard's caliber is worth it. We talked about this last video too. His fit on this Heat team is phenomenal. He provides everything that we needed last year, obviously outside of size. But this Heat team went on scoring droughts, four, five, six-minute scoring droughts where they couldn't get a bucket. Damian Lillard is a guy that helps that. Not to mention that most likely the package will consist of Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jovic, and all the picks. Jovic, who didn't play in the playoffs last year, Tyler, who didn't play in the playoffs last year, and Kyle Lowry, who sucked in the playoffs last year. So what are you really losing? Those are kind of the reasons that that I believe it's important to go all in for Damian Lillard because that is how you win a championship, in my opinion. But let me know what y'all think down in the comments below. So, uh, uh, well, I guess my kind of question is, let's say that the Heat do run it back. I'm kind of want to talk about what I think they would look like next year. On paper, I still think they should be good because if I thought they were going to be good going into last year, Essentially, I should think they should be good going into this year, too. You know, Tyler's should theoretically be better. Bam should theoretically be better. You lost Gabe and Struess, but you got Thomas Bryan and Josh Richardson. So those kind of cancel out there. Obviously, not the same exact players, but you still lost some decent players and you got some decent players. But I'm iffy on what I think they're going to be. Because last year, there was points they, they looked like they might have missed the playoffs. But then they finished the season looking like the best, the best team in the East, you know. That being said, 
I do think there's a lot of hopes within this roster. Clearly, we see Jimmy doing the, the Dame Time celebration in all these clips. I think there's a lot of hopes to get Damian Lillard on this roster. And if they don't get him, I do think that'll be a bit of a letdown. And I'm not sure how that will affect everybody mentally. And I'm not saying they'll miss the playoffs, but I certainly think we could see a repeat of last year, which makes sense because they're bringing back the same roster, I guess. So, uh, well, I mean, you are adding Hame and Jovic too, but I'm not a guy that puts a ton of stock into rookies. We, t- we typically don't see Spo rely on the, the super young guys a ton. Now, Jovic is obviously not a rookie, so he probably will get some decent burn this year. I'm expecting close to 15 minutes. And I guess Jaime Jaquez is a rookie, but he's 22 years old. And part of the reason they drafted him is because they said he would be NBA ready. So, hey, maybe those guys do make a big impact too. And instead of being a finishing an A seed like the Heat were last year, maybe they could be a top four seed and they find themselves back in the NBA finals with a healthy Tyler Hero and a chance to win it all. I don't really know, but that's kind of where I stand on, on that whole situation now. Uh, that's all I'm going to talk about for the Heat this episode. There's not too much to discuss with them going on because not really any more news. We are approaching training camp. I think it is like 31 days away. So I expect in maybe three weeks to really get some uh, some leeway on this Damian Lillard trade. And I think it gets done in, in around that time. But anyways, I do want to discuss another topic the whole really quickly because it's a little bit outdated now. The whole world champions debate, I had someone in my comments ask me my thoughts on that the other day, uh, and I never really found a good opportunity to bring it up, so I just wanted to share my opinion on that as well. I see both sides of it. You know, the the kid, the sprinter, I'm sorry, I forget his name, from, from USA, uh, he had his whole rant, of course, saying the NBA is the world champions of what? They only play in the United States and one team in Canada. But to me, I kind of always felt the same way that he did, which is, by the way, the same way that Greg Popovich feels too. So a guy that NBA people actually respect. That's how, that's how he feels as well. Now, for me, the whole point is the terminology is stupid. How can you say you're the world champion when you don't play the rest of the world? In my opinion, the only team that's the real world champion is the winner of the Olympics and the winner of FIBA. That's it. Now, of course, the other side of it says, hey, well, all the best talent in the world comes to the United States. So if all the best talent is here, then theoretically, the winner of that league is the world champion. I get that logic. Jimmy Highroller, who y'all probably know on YouTube, just dropped a, a really great video about it, as he always does. But to me, regardless of if the best NBA team would beat the best European team, that is a completely different discussion to me. Of course, the best NBA team would likely beat the best European team. But the terminology is still stupid. I don't think that makes you a world champion. I think you are a world champion by directly beating other teams because he also said in his video there's been like I don't know a couple hundred instances where an NBA team has faced a European team obviously mostly in preseason and I think 11 times the NBA team has lost so who's to say it's not possible you know and also what's the criteria are we taking the Detroit Pistons versus the the Spanish national team and are they playing each other because I'm pretty sure the Spanish national team could beat the Detroit Pistons but then does that, does that not count for the Spanish national team because they have NBA players on their roster? That's why I think the whole argument is just dumb. And I, I just think the terminology is, is really stupid. But I do see both sides of it. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Uh, I think that's all I got as far as basketball. You know we excited football's coming up. Last night the Miami Hurricanes had their first game of the season versus Miami, Ohio. Uh, I'm a big Miami Hurricanes guy. 
Uh, it's been very disappointing my entire life, I guess, watching them. Uh, the highlight of my, my Hurricanes fandom in my lifetime over the last 25 years is the Trajan Bandy pick six versus Notre Dame and the turnover chain season. I think that was, what, like 2017, I believe. That was really the only year it's been exciting to be a Hurricanes fan in my life. Well, because obviously I was a baby back in, you know, the early 2000s and, and late 90s. But that's basically been the highlight. Uh, as far as going into this season, I didn't have much hopes. I loved Tyler Van Dyke going into last season. He was obviously disappointing. So going into this season, I was iffy on how to feel about him. Now, he was solid yesterday. I think he made some nice throws. Outside of him, they don't really have much talent. I mean, uh, that new, uh, the young uh, Colby Young might have been his name. He looks like he could be a beast, the big receiver. And obviously the running back position with Chaney and, and Paris, they seem to be very solid as well. But outside of that, I'm not sure they have a lot of talent. The O-line certainly looks improved. But I'm also not a big fan of Mario Cristobal. I was very disappointed in him last year. I felt like he played not to lose, which is my least favorite thing about a coach. That's why I like Mike McDaniel on the Dolphins. Say what you want about him. Say he doesn't know how to use his timeouts because he doesn't. Say that that he doesn't. He does too much. I like it, though. I'm tired of all these coaches playing scared, punting on, on fourth and inches. I, I watched that my whole life with about every Dolphins coach and every Hurricanes coach. I'm tired of it. And all they do is talk a big game but don't do nothing. And that's exactly what Mario Cristobal is. I was very disappointed in him last year. I'm willing to give him another year. Obviously, I'm not going to write him off after year one. But show me something this year. The game versus Ohio, there was a blowout, you know. But they had like five false start penalties. To me, that's a sign that a team is not disciplined. And that comes from the head coach. So I'll give you another year, Mario Cristobal. If you don't show me something, you're dead to me. But the Hurricanes do have a big game versus Texas A&M on Saturday. So That'll be their first real test this season, and we'll see what happens. But, of course, the Miami Dolphins play a week after that versus the Chargers. Tua versus Herbert week one, and I'm excited. I got my fantasy drafts tomorrow and Monday. I have two of them. Uh, one of them is a basement draft, so we'll keep you all updated on that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it too, man. I'm definitely going to try to take Tyreek and Waddle and Tua. I know you're not supposed to draft with your heart, but my brain does believe that those guys are going to have monster seasons and the Miami Dolphins. So I am super, super excited about that. And then outside of that, we got Inter-Miami on Sunday too. Y'all know we've been keeping up with Messi and those boys. They finally had their first game where they didn't score. Uh, but they're still technically undefeated because it ended in the draw. Now, I think they need to win damn near every game to make the playoffs. So it'll be some sort of magical run. But I'll be tuning in. So it's a fun time in Miami sports. Like I said, it's still about three weeks. So I think we see any movement on the Miami Heat front. But if y'all are not football fans or, or football fans, check it out because Miami's got a lot of fun stuff going on. But that's all I got for this video. So thank y'all for tuning in. If you're on the YouTube side, comment, like, whatever. If you're on the podcast side, five stars. Y'all know the deal. Anything you want to add, Thomas? Let's go, Messi! That's all I got. <laughs> Pull up in the city, trying to get that dead fast. Do it on my own, I don't need no dead weight. Had to kill him off, yeah, I need a headspace. You know this homegrown bitch don't offend me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.